This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you without his permission by the graphic novel Arkland by Scott A. Ford. The Legend of Zelda meets District 9. Enter this lush, full-color, 8-bit wonderland by the creator of Romulus and Remus and meet the creator himself at FanQuest Winnipeg, June 23rd and 24th at Red River College Exchange Campus. Attention, citizens! It's time for Super Pulp Science! This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Um, we're here with uh, my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry, and our long-suffering producer, Dan. Hi. Hi. How are you guys say, I thought you were going to say my last name. Oh, you say it better than I do. Vadabonker. Vadabonker. It's not the good way to say it. <sighs> <laughs> I can do that because I'm French. Um, so we're uh, back in the studio. We have a lot to catch up on. We have so much. Yeah, I haven't seen either of you in so long, it feels like. We haven't even done the Calgary postmortem. Oh, we haven't caught up on Calgary. We haven't caught up really on sh- Chicago. Yeah, no, we did Chicago. Did we? Yeah, no, that was yeah, Seattle, about, I thought. No, you talked no, about Chicago. No, we talked about Chicago. Yeah. Okay, phew. I'm glad someone was paying attention <laughs> because I sure wasn't. So, uh, where were you, Dan? I was in Chicago as well. I went last week. I took 31 creative communication students to Chicago to visit the Windy City and learn about communications. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Well, it's, you know, okay, so I bought, I, I, I started this trip. Well, I didn't start it. I brought it back after a long absence. Um, based on the graphic design trip, uh, Justin, uh, of course, went on that when he was in the program. And it's been going on forever. Graphic design students have been going to Chicago as part of their program for decades. Um, and it went away in Creek. Chicago on. is the Winnipeg of the South, basically. Yes, right? that's right. It is the Winnipeg of the South. Right. And uh, so uh, the idea is that uh, it gives students a good a chance to go to a big city that they've never been to before. Most of them have not been outside Winnipeg. They're you know still pretty young. And was that, was that your, your first, first trip? Was yeah, I was I was eighteen when I went on that trip. You know, I like I moved from the country into the city when I was seventeen, and that was my first like. Yeah. So you actually did move into a big city. I moved into a big city, and, and then, then we went to an even big bigger like. city. Yeah. yeah. Head was and spinning. And so we, and, and on that trip for the graphic design students, they tend to go more designy, art kind of uh, based um, uh, tours. They do the Art Institute. Do you guys, did you do an agency? Do you remember that? Uh, uh, we didn't do an agency. We did a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright stuff. Ah, yes. And, yeah. and uh, the art museum. But no, we didn't see any design agencies. That would have been great. Well, we did. We did. And, nice. and so I was, I was able to get us a tour at uh, Critical Mass, which is a digital agency in uh, downtown uh, Chicago, right on Michigan Avenue. So it's like got that great view down Michigan Avenue, uh, down the Miracle Mile or the Magnificent Mile or one of the miles. I don't remember what you call it. You're the one that gave the tour. Well, I didn't do it. Somebody else gave me the tour. Uh, <laughs> this agency has worked with huge brands and it was great for the students to see what they do with these brands. One of the things they did was create an augmented reality experience uh, around Nissan and Star Wars, which is kind of a cool tie-in. So you, you hold up your phone and look through the app, and your, your Nissan Rogue turns into a, a TIE fighter or something like that. It was nice. kind of cool. I had a meeting about AR in a book that's coming out. Oh, it's I, very cool. I it's was. fun. It's very fun. Yeah. I like the AR stuff. And that's There's a great way to use it in, in books. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wonder, though, like, when it will... You know, there'll be a point in which AR won't be a gimmick. It will be perceived as an art space, like an art form. And I think we're still in that 
ooh, it's new and it's gimmicky and that'll make people look at it, but it's not necessarily at the place where... Well, the opportunity was Google Glass, right? That was the thing where it was going to be... You can look up and see what the weather is going to be. You can look around and see information about stuff around you. Oh, and yeah, wow. Very futuristic kind of minority report kind of stuff. And nobody liked the idea of people walking around with a camera on their face all the time. No. So that did, that's why Google Glass kind of failed because yeah. nobody really liked that, is that idea. that the big hiccup was the it just recording all the time? Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, there's a camera on your face recording everything and people do not like that idea yeah. of being recorded. So that was part of the problem with that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we did the agency. We did the uh, uh, Art Institute. I was I was posting on Instagram some amazing armor, an incredible armor exhibit in at the Art Institute what, of Chicago. From what periods of time? Well, mostly uh, medieval uh, periods, but also Viking. I, I, I tagged you in a post. Perhaps the yeah. Renaissance. I saw that. Yeah, uh, Viking, uh, uh, Viking helmets do not have horns, as I saw in the uh, display, <laughs> but they had swords there that were more than a thousand years old. Uh, it was incredible just to Did see. Did you touch the, it? No, I can't. It's behind glass. Um, uh, but the uh, evolution of armor over that time was very, very cool. What? what are you Nothing. Doing? I didn't. I, I can't. I was why it's lasted a thousand years because people like <laughs> people you have been kept away by a sheet of glass. Uh, so anyway, great <laughs> trip overall. Uh, students were good. They were well behaved. They did not trash their hotel rooms, and I'm happy about that. Wow. I also talk about it on my podcast, uh, Media Nerds. Uh, so if you want more information about Chicago, you can go there plug for my podcast which i haven't done on this podcast before well you and i were away uh word from the front line sambico told me that justin went full nocturnal for the last few days tell not, us about that experience not too bad semi semi nocturnal yeah, semi because i still have i have things to do um <laughs> the grocery store is only open in the what day. do you mean nocturnal like you were up all night and slept all day well yeah normally when uh so my girlfriend's in israel right now on uh an exchange program for she's going for in, in law, she's in law, so uh, the, they're offered uh, the chance to go to Israel for a month and uh, take a course over there, and that goes towards credits in their next semester and a cool opportunity. So um, she's doing that, and she's usually like, she's the big reason for me having a semi normal schedule. She's the tethering link to yeah, <laughs> normalcy. Yes. My ideal yes. schedule is waking up um, around lunch and working. Uh, until two, three in the morning. I love working at night, that whole like when the city's asleep and you're getting things done yeah, and there's nobody yeah. to like bother you or contact you or anything like that. Like I, I like that. So it usually it's, it gets worse and worse, right? Like the first night is to midnight. Yeah. Next night you're up till two oh, and then well, till yeah. three and then yeah. before you know it. But my plan is at the end of the month, I'm, I'm traveling to Europe to meet up with her and to go on a bit of a vacation. So if I have my schedule completely flipped around, it'll be perfect for when I go to No Europe. jet lag. No jet lag. Right. Oh, well, that'll be fine. Uh, William Gibson calls it soul delay. Soul delay. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Right? Like yes. it's the idea that you're not, it's, you're not jet lagged. It's that your body has traveled so quickly that your soul doesn't know where it is. Oh. So it takes a little while for it to catch up. And that's when you start to feel normal. It's magical. Yeah. 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 Well, I was in Los Angeles the last few days. Um, I had been invited by UCLA to come and give a series of lectures and a masterclass on uh, comic book making, but specifically it was the um, ancient studies department that brought us out. They, um, Christina oh. Markman uh, was the uh, professor that asked myself, Howard Chaikin, and Connor McCready to come out and talk about Renaissance ideals that have persisted uh, into current pop culture. And she had found evidence of those things in our work, so she asked us to come and talk about it. It's a weird phone call to get 
<laughs> at the studio. Um, she called me a number of months ago and it was like, hello, is this Gregory? Yes. Um, what do you think about humanistic um, perspectives in your work? And I was halfway through answering before I, it occurred to me that I should ask who is asking. Like, like, oh, by the, the way, who is this? survey ever. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's the weirdest phone survey I've ever received. Um, and it turned out that was the right way to approach it because, you know, she was basically testing to see if I could speak uh, towards academic uh, perspectives in that work. And then she said, you know, have you ever done any public speaking like that? And uh, I had literally just come back from doing a keynote speak at the speech at the Faculty of Medicine. So it gave me all the credibility I needed, I guess, for UCLA to nice. bring me down there. Uh, and I had the full LA experience. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I think, anyway. Um, actual Californians can tell me there were lots of celebrities that we saw and were really so within a 12 hour period um, within 30 meters of me the following uh, events unfolded we (laughs) saw uh, um, Andy Garcia and Jane Fonda and Ted Dan uh, what's his name Ted Danson Dan Danson yeah Um, and then within 12 hours 30 meters away someone was hit by a car forced up onto the hood of that car the driver tried to escape um it was during a uh, union protest uh, so there was lots of people around there was no way for the car to get away and then police like charged at the vehicles with their weapons drawn dragged the guy out of the vehicle put a gun literally put the barrel of the gun to his head and put him on the ground and we were like oh yes this is not canada anymore (laughs) holy but Tell me more about Andy Garcia. Is it really okay? That's all I care about. Oh, that's all you care about? No, just joking. He (laughs) smiled and he waved and he was very... uh, We we were going for... uh, We were finding a bite to eat and apparently this happens uh, in Los Angeles a lot. Suddenly, uh, a whole bunch of police cars showed up and I thought, oh, something bad's happening. And the uh, gentleman we were with said, oh, no, 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 it's nothing bad. You can tell by their uniforms. And the police who were getting out were all in like perfect, not quite dress blues, but like really really pristine uniforms and their badges were all super polished and all the buttons were polished and they were doing crowd control for these celebrities who all showed up for the screening of a movie oh okay and so hmm. they're all going to be in the photos too i guess those police so they have to look good look good yeah. for the lapd nice. so uh someone said you know the real secret of la's traffic problem is not overpopulation it's that there's too many celebrities there and so every now and then, traffic is stopped suddenly for celebrities to cross the street. A motorcade or something like yeah. that? Yeah. No, that, that does mess up traffic quite yeah, a bit. So, yeah. So that was a very uh, interesting experience. We were there for like academic reasons, but my nerd heart wandered around UCLA campus for a while, not understanding why I recognized it so clearly. There were parts that I was like, I swear I've been here. I've, I have emotional experiences connected to this. So I was like, it must have been a movie. I don't know. But it's so like real and then uh our guide sasha said oh well you know were you a buffy the vampire slayer fan i was like yes oh yeah this and then it all kept flooded back right sunnydale campus was it all there it was that's where they filmed it all so like i knew the pillars i sat where buffy sat and i sat where xander sat and i thought to myself (laughs) i am a huge nerd for being so excited (laughs) that in the center of higher learning this is my most exciting writing so, so I have a similar story to tell about Chicago as far as sitting somewhere where somebody sat. 
that makes sense. Um, we, one of our tour stops was the Second City, uh, which is the famous comedy uh, training center where countless uh, uh, comedic legends have come out of there. Uh, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. Uh, like the walls were just plastered with all these famous people that had been through uh, this 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 institution. And in one of their theaters, we got kind of a tour of the place. The only theater we didn't really get to see was the main stage theater because they had an event going on in there at the time. But one of their smaller theaters, uh, they have something called Booth One. And Booth One was, uh, it was a booth taken from another restaurant that I'm blanking on the name of, but it was this famous restaurant in Chicago that a lot of celebrities used to hang out at. And around this booth were photos of all these celebrities sitting in that booth. So I looked at the photos and I'm like, okay, there's John Belushi. Where was John Belushi sitting? Okay. And I sat right there where John Belushi (laughs) sat. And Andrew Hepburn sat there as well. Did you have a drink in there, Honor? No, there was no alcohol there at the time. Uh, It was too early in the morning. They weren't serving alcohol. But uh, I I was just kind of thrilled just to know that that someone famous had sat there. And someone that I really, like I really love John Belushi. I think he's an amazing performer. So just don't like putting you guys in danger. I laugh in the face of danger. Then I hide until it goes away. Did you get lots of work done, Justin, in your nocturnal? Do you get more work done when you're on that schedule, do you think? I'm, uh, yeah, like I was just trying to think about, I haven't gotten as much artwork done. It's been everything else, right? It's all that, yeah, all that other bits and pieces that come with running this company. So that's um, what you were doing? You were, didn't get to make too much stuff? You were just... I I, uh, I call it, I did a lot of forging. Like I... Yeah. I I put, I have a lot of pieces set up to knock down, so I'm hoping by the time uh, today's over, all my uh, logistics and paperwork and, and stuff like that will be put to rest, and I can, next week will be nothing but finishing things. Nice. Yeah. But you're going somewhere tomorrow, aren't you? I'm going to TCAF tomorrow for my very, very first time, very first experience the with Toronto TCAF. Comics Arts Festival. Yeah, which is... Um, it's a free event in downtown Toronto. It's in a library. It is apparently just packed the entire three days or two two days it's saturday and sunday and um it's uh yeah everybody talks about it with with great reverence and and it's a magical place yeah yeah where there are no rules left in making books like you just (laughs) see this like i think i've said this before in this space here that uh you know i'm used to my stuff at regular comic shows being kind of on the weirder end of the spectrum i'm not even middling weird at tcaf like my stuff is not it you're vanilla as ex- at my most experimental i'm like oh that's uh, that's all you do kind of in TCAF. um i saw a guy who like was doing lithograph like he was hand carving uh marble sheets or maybe there's soapstone sheets. i don't know but the the comic was made from ink like beat pressed ink on these carved sheets and they were incredible like they were such artistry there and he had hand bound them and i was just totally overwhelmed like so when i stand at tcaf and i look at the kind of craftsmanship that goes into these individual like art piece books sometimes i uh feel like there's more i should do with my life (laughs) so the uh the other thing that kind of makes this week a little more hectic is not only am i going to tcaf but my mom and dad are coming into the city, and I'm sending them to the Ottawa convention for me. Oh, um, what, to, I, to do your table? To do uh, my table, to yeah. Pro- I, to proxy? To proxy, yeah. I, uh, I'm not a super huge fan of, of proxying, but every once in a while, it has to happen. And this year, um, I grandfather into Ottawa since like year one I've been grandfathering in, so I've been there for like five years. I've had the exact same table. 
And uh, this year, um, it was the first year I've ever gotten a TCAF. I've been applying year after year after year, and this was the first time I got in. They're always on the same weekend, so I had to figure something out, and I wasn't wasn't about to give up my table. And um, yeah, I've especially when I like I I send my parents. People are usually pretty um, okay with that. Well, your, parent, so. your parents can speak to your work as like a proud parent. Like, yeah. look, at, look at what my boy did. And they can be yeah. very, you know, they can, they, I'm sure they, they can do almost a better job of selling your stuff than you can just because they're so, so excited about what you're doing. Mom, yeah, mom definitely sees it that way. I think dad's just there for the free trip. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> your parents are very supportive of you. And I think that you should be proud of uh-huh. that. I am. Yeah. You should be proud of their pride. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. Tell me, uh, how was Calgary? Calgary was great, but it was all different now. Why? It's under new management. Okay, so what is it? Okay, no, so explain this now. What was it before, and what is it now? What okay, is the so Calgary Expo, um, originally... Uh, Calgary remains my favorite show, even under new management. Okay. Just the city of Calgary, the way that the show. And this is the only, is this the, the only big con in Calgary? Is there other 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 cons? It's the biggest okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, what I what I loved about Calgary, which is no longer present, um, is that the original Calgary Expo, the only way to come in and out of the building, the main space, was through Artist Alley. It felt like they had always given the people who make the books pride of place. So that even if people are there for Funko Pop toys or whatever they're speculating for, they have the accidental capacity to discover the love of reading on their way. Sure. And I always thought that that was so magical and wonderful about it. And it's largely, I think, why I had the confidence to believe I could do this as a career. It was the first place I'd ever had a lineup was in Calgary. You know, like people lining up to buy stuff. For me, too, that was the first time I pulled a a profit in that made me think this could be an actual source of income and an actual thing to pursue right and, and i imagine as a uh, just starting out it's a big risk for you to take going to a show like this the table, oh, yeah. can't, the table can't be cheap mm-hmm. um the travel expenses you're like okay i'm you actually gonna stay somewhere yeah exactly all that stuff you're like well this is going to be a lot of cost up front if you don't um i know i know i hear a lot of uh when i go to cons and, and running a con i hear artists say uh i asked somebody how, how was the con for you they're like well i made my table back and i mean that's a nice way of saying it, it didn't go very well in my opinion <laughs> right because it, yeah. that means they, they made back the money they spent on the table which is fine but there's more expenses for traveling to a con out of town yeah much more expenses yeah. so uh now the uh organization is run so there's this new paradigm of organizing shows which i think is being led by the demand for table space um, where you separate the artist alley into a, its own building, its own area, oh, right? Okay. They do that in the, at the New York show. They do that in yeah. Seattle. They do that in uh, they do that in Chicago. They did that in Chicago. We were just in a different spot. It's a big. It's a one of the big space in Chicago, but you guys had one section. Artist alley. Chicago, yeah. It's it's not in a different room. That's, that's oh yeah, usually that was the, one. That was right. I was surprised yeah. because it felt normal again. Um, I mean, and there's pros and cons to it, but I mean, we've talked about how. What I are some think. pros? The pros to put them... As as I've, I've never been a fan of separating the artist alley. So talking to people who are better at comics than you and I, right, who have been in it longer, they explain to me that they only want the guests who are there for comics. And as a name, they can draw those guests to them. They don't have to work too hard to bring their crowd because they've worked 25 years to establish that crowd. You and I want everyone 
yeah. so that they can become our crowd. We want those accidental, like, oh, what is this? I want exactly. to know more. Yeah. I want to so, talk to this guy. I want to. Um, the difference is, though, that um, the shows are inviting and paying for a number of those comic guests. And so they want those comic guests to have the experience that they are giving feedback about. And I think that that has led to this sort of divide of church and state. There's such a tiny minority at the show, though. Like those comic guests that you're speaking about. Like so, so is there like somebody like uh, so? Who's a comic guest at Calgary this year? Like a, a famous comic. Jim comic. Lee was there. Jim, Jim Lee. Was so there, was Jim yeah. Lee in the Rob same Liefeld section as there. you guys? Yeah. Okay. Well, then so that's the benefit. Okay, yeah. I get that. Okay. Right. So right. people who came for Jim Lee and he wasn't at his table maybe found me. Ha ha. Tricked yeah. you. <laughs> right. You so, just put a big sign that says Jim Lee. I mean, GMB Kamichuk. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Lee will be signing at my table. I'm going to put that sign up Ooh. on his booth next time. I will get killed by con monsters. Yes, sure. that's right. That. No, so whatever. Uh, it's different, but and there's growing pains for that, but a lot of people were not happy with that change. A lot of people and were happy with that change. We were kind of expecting, um, yeah, it's like like you said, new management. They're, they did a completely different floor plan. The floor plan's been the same for the last like five years six years yeah. and this is the first People year it's been like changed change, but yeah they so don't, there was yeah. there was definitely some growing pains with just the the upheaval of everything and i think what people have to recognize about that um if you're not in charge of the show which you aren't um you're it's the, the equivalent of complaining that there's a new subdivision and a new like freeway overpass right or like it's not like it used to be and the traffic is different but your complaining isn't going to change. We used to love complaining about changes to Facebook. Do you remember that? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Every time they change their layout, people are like, what's going on here? And then a week later, it's like, oh, whatever. The yeah. one thing that, that really kind of bothered me was uh, there was the artist alley in the one building, and then there was the, the main building was a bit of a walk away, and kind of in between that was the parking lot. So what people would do is they would go to artist alley, and they would buy their things, and on the way to the other building, they'd stop at their car, and they'd drop everything off. And vice versa. They came to the main room. They'd bought their things. And when they go into Artist Alley, they drop everything off at their car. I'll just make a quick interruption here, which is, a, again, a shout out to something they did well organizing the show. They changed where the entrances were at, Ca at the Calgary show so that it was equidistant. If you were arriving, you could say, I can go to the Artist Alley building or I can go into the main exhibitor hall. They did a big, they made an effort to make the traffic land in the middle, and then make the choice themselves. Okay. So that was good. Yeah. But. But everybody was walking around empty-handed. Nobody was walking around with bags of artwork or merch or anything because everybody just, it worked into their, their path that they'd be able to drop merch off. And it, it took me a while to realize like what was, it's like something was wrong, something was bothering me. And it was because I'm so used to being able to see, oh, somebody bought Greg's print and oh, they bought like, all my friends, I can see when they've made sales because people will come by with bags of their stuff. And none of that happened the entire weekend. Nobody had bags of, of anything. It, not, the clear bags were useless. The clear bags, you guys That's right. figured out. Yeah. We're, not, we're no yeah, good. We were, we were sterilized by that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our potency removed. And the amount of people who uh, will find us at shows because they track somebody down with, with our artwork in a clear bag. Where did you get that? And then come yeah. find us. Like yeah. That happens quite often. And I think, yeah, that, that was, that was an not unintended, a factor. unintended consequence it was, of the yeah. show floor change, right? And that's not something I don't think a show organizer could plan for no, or no. think about. You know, it's just we observe it. No, you would, you would think that they're not, that's not intentional. They're looking at it. They are looking at it from that perspective, as you said, or as you said, that, you know, it's, 
equally distant from the you can choose to go wherever you want yeah. and I, i'm sure the congors appreciate how being able to drop stuff off in their car yeah, yeah. because they that really is did. so much easier yeah. than carrying stuff around yeah so but it does change but, the fervor like the, the psychology yeah, the of, of the purchaser yeah. is different like if you see everyone else carrying stuff you ask yourself is there something you know is this my chance yeah if you see no one carrying things you wonder well Maybe there's nothing worth buying. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, I know a lot of people. It, it's a, Calgary is a popular show for Winnipeg people to go to. Um, so I saw I knew a lot of people who were there who were posting and had a great time. Uh, one of my colleagues met uh, some of the Back to the Future people that were there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Michael J. Fox couldn't make it for health reasons, but they had the rest of the cast. Yeah. As I understand it. Um, so, yeah, overall, it, it's interesting how uh, even within, like, the, I guess, the prairies of, of Canada – how people travel to, and a lot of people travel to Regina as well. It's just like people who love conventions will go anywhere to, to go to visit these different conventions and have the experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun for a lot of people. Anytime you travel, you should try to make another reason to be in the place, well, right? <laughs> you sent me a picture of something. You texted me and said, uh, was it you climbing on something? What was that all about? Oh. <laughs> He's like, no, nothing officer, nothing to see here. The nothing so. officer series of photos? Um uh, well, there's this big, wonderful art installation uh, in the middle of downtown Calgary, which is this huge face. I actually don't know the name of the art. It's not well placard, so you don't know like who did it. But what it is is it's this. It's like you know maybe sixty, a hundred. I don't know if it's a hundred feet tall, but mm-hmm. it's this big wireframe frame face. And when you stand in it, it inverts. Like you can. Okay. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this. It's quite, quite spectacular. But for the first time, I've been in Calgary many times. Um, it occurred to me that you can climb it, <laughs> right? And I thought, like, it's so weird. There's no signs that say don't climb it. So perfect the people climbing. we were with, I said, hey, man, look at how great this would be to climb. I'll leave them nameless because they don't want, I'm sure, to be named they in this. Families to yeah, families. Although they, are they not in the photos that you sent me? They are. They are. <laughs> so we climbed it and we were climbing it. And what's funny is there was this group of teenagers uh, sitting in front of it and they were giving us this scowl. Like, oh, you old people, the skateboarder kids (laughs) were looking at us with this derision. We got, you know, basically to the, not quite to the top, but pretty close. And then we saw the long shadow of a very bored security guard come (laughs) sauntering around the corner. And he sees us and we see him and he is in no hurry to rush. At first he is until he realizes that we're like 40-year-old men <laughs> climbing this thing. And okay, fine. So he kind of walks slow enough that by the time we're on the ground, right, the incident is over. Um, I think he saw probably the skater kids and was like, oh, more are these guys climbing up this? Oh, wait, no, these are these are grown people they, who should know yeah, better. Those skater kids know better. Yeah, they knew better. Yeah. Um, but you should just take opportunities as they arrive sure. to, to have a good time, a good experience. No one was likely to be hurt. Actually, we got up to about the midpoint of the curve because we were climbing inside the head and realized that you could only free climb the rest of the way. Um, that's when it started to feel dangerous. So we we turned back. <laughs> we turned back. It's a long way down to the concrete. So now I realize that um, that sculptor, you know, had an unintended consequence of choosing his materials. It's not It's not his fault or her fault, but uh, yeah. it sure was fun. Hello, what's all this then? Other things that happened in LA was I got to meet with Amuse Group USA, 
who are um, the U.S. arm of the baby metal uh, management oh, company, yes, yes, yes. are also there. So I made a special trip to go and meet the team that is, you know, helping organize the world tour and putting the book together. And and that was a uh, singular and wonderful experience. They were just so... I, in full disclosure, I was nervous about being the outsider to the project. You know, they've all worked together for a long time. And here's this Western artist coming in to work on this Japanese, you know, experience. Because it's the only way to really talk about baby metals. They're not really a band. The whole thing is organized like a cross between a opera and a metal show and a stage performance. Because they explained to me while I was there that um, uh, Kai Kobayashi organizes the event in that way. Like it's not just a rock show. Or it's not like a metal show. It's a story. Each of the concerts has their own narrative mm. that is in the imagery. And often that only appears in that one particular show. And then they'll scrap those costumes and they will never use them. Again. Interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I got to see some of that. And so it was neat because a, a number of the editorial directions that I got for some of the initial designs where I thought what I should be doing is researching the iconography of the, of the group that exists and then calling back to that in the book, uh, that was sort of frowned upon. It was like, no, invent something new, invent something new. And, and that's great. You know, that's awesome to be given that on your end, freedom, yeah. Yeah. but I wasn't sure that I would be allowed. And so, uh, <laughs> now I understood why, because they want a new experience at each time a person experiences what it is they're crafting and creating. They want them to find something they didn't find the first time. Is there a canon to this to this story? Do they have like uh, everything they create? They someone keep track of it, and they have like a I'm sure there's a wiki somewhere with all their stuff. So on it. what's interesting is I found out too is the fans do yes the fans create try to keep track, but there is a um, uh, from the top down a level of secrecy or not even the top down from the creative side to the corporate side. Creative keeps a lot of um, the mystery intact. And they're not expected. Kai's not expected to share. They trust and have given him that freedom to come up with it and to have a say. And, you know, very different than the Western way of doing things. Yeah. Where, right, you have to get it approved. Where the publisher or multiple. the production company, <laughs> yeah, gives the approval. It goes the other way. And that was, uh, it was really wonderful to see and also kind of felt interesting to be a part of that and we were arranging i'm meeting uh meeting uh him face to face in uh nashville later in the week so we were sort of also prepping for that because there's some protocols and some some things that we have to when are you in on. nashville on the 18th okay. of may yeah. and i'm at i got into odafest oh yeah so i uh, will be going back to calgary for the anime convention nice which is uh it's always odd both in Winnipeg and now in Calgary, we've noticed uh, people who go to Comic Cons do not go to anime shows and vice versa. People who, like the anime attendees, will not go to Comic Cons. Really? It's completely separate. There's some, I'd say like there, 10 there's or 20% a little bit, overlap, but, but not. For really? the most part, yeah, they do one or the other. Because I did, um, uh, what was the show I did? Winterfest Winter here in Icon. Winnipeg. Yeah, I was and there too. It was a completely new audience for me. And I thought, you know, I've been doing Winnipeg shows forever. Everyone will be sick of me. But no, it was, oh, I've never even heard of this. That was 
Really? Yeah. Oh, that's mm -hmm. interesting to know. But different than a first show experience because uh, I was a Winnipegger. So it's like, oh, I've never heard of this. Oh, but you're from Winnipeg. So they take a chance. Winnipeggers right. look after their own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, uh, well, and how big is this convention, the anime convention in Calgary? It's actually, it's very um, comparable to uh, Icon. Um, attendance wise, I want to say somewhere between like seven to 15,000. Mm -hmm. And of course, it fluctuates up and down and. Don't quote me on those numbers, but that's about what it feels like. And uh, and similar, same venue or different venue? They actually, they changed the venues. Uh, two years ago, I was a guest there. They okay. brought me in as a guest, which was uh, the first time I was ever a guest at a show, so it was really neat. Um, and so they used to be in the university uh, at Calgary, and now they are downtown in like the TELUS Center, whatever phone company center is downtown. <laughs> um, the big building downtown named after a phone company, which yeah, every exactly. city has. Yeah. It's uh, right under like, the uh, the Calgary Tower. It's, okay. it's right in the, which is great because I love downtown Calgary. It's a great place to. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, to go climbing. Around. If you mm -hmm. need a good climbing. <laughs> yeah, for climbing or, or more adult activities. Yeah. Do you remember, were you at the dinner where we where Wolf Cop came? I was. Okay. Oh, full man. Yeah. yeah. I want to bring those guys into FanQuest. I'm, I'm I love that movie. And I know there's a second one. Is there a second one? There's a second one, yeah. yeah. I've not seen the Another second one yet. Cop, yeah, so. But um, they're from Saskatchewan? Uh, they are, yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, so I won't go so far as to, like, I can't speak with, the, uh, like, we're on familiar terms. But uh, we have we had people in common. Um, and so uh, I went over to the Wolf Cop table while they were promoting their stuff and said, you know, like, you know, we're planning this dinner and everyone's going to be out. You guys should come, right? You know, we know people who know people and they sort of vouch for you, say you're, you're decent folks, even though you make movies. <laughs> and uh, would you like to come out for dinner? And we had a flexible, flexible reservation at um, this place down in the heart of Salt downtown Lake? Calgary. It's Salt Lake, something like that. It That's has a big metal horse in front of it. It's a horrible name for a restaurant. It has a big metal horse in front of it. I'm sure it's very good food, but um, man. So we told them we were bringing about 25 people and in the end we brought somewhere like 50, maybe 75 people showed up. But um, uh, the point of the story is that they said, okay, well, we'll come, but we're going to come in, f like Wolf Cop will be in his full makeup because <laughs> we're doing a thing. So if he can come in full makeup, then let's do that. And so we arranged with the manager. I said, you know, like there's an opportunity here to turn it into a bit of a, you know, let's make it into something fun. So I talked to the manager of the restaurant and I said, you know, this Wolf Cop is coming and he's like, oh great, let's not tell the staff, <laughs> right? And we arranged to have a rare steak brought for him and like to do all these photo things, but the staff didn't know he was arriving. So I told them that the staff didn't know and Wolf Cop comes bursting into the restaurant with a howl and a scream and the, you know, the poor hostess like shrieks in terror because a werewolf and the Wolf Cop makeup is good yeah yeah, like yeah yeah it stands up to scrutiny it's camera ready uh and so he bursts in and she screams ah and he says it's okay i'm a cop <laughs> <laughs> and uh the rest of the night was wonderful oh, and that's at awesome a, at a certain point he pulled the makeup off right he went through his wolf cop transformation and pulled the skin loose and went through a transformation he did eat yeah. his meal he ate full... his meal in full makeup yeah the prosthetic wow. for the teeth allowed him to eat it was incredible. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I love those guys. I love uh, independent films and, and um, you know, these, I guess you could call it a cult cult hit or whatever, but those are awesome. Uh, one of the guys we have coming into FanQuest this year is Steve Kostansky, who, who made Manborg. 
don't know if you guys have ever seen Manborg, but it's I a know it's, of it. it's, it's it's a very low budget. I think he made it for like a thousand dollars or something stupid like that. A lot of green screen stuff, but it's very effective <laughs> in its visual style kind of lends itself to the to the film so it's a lot of fun it's one of those kind of similar movies where it's just like so low budget and then he also did um an, a, i don't want to say better but a, a higher budget film called uh the void that came out last oh, year i saw the void yeah, yeah so, the, so that's did. that's his movie as well and we're actually going to be screening that oh, at the nice. cinema tech uh the weekend of fan quest um but yeah that's that's him as well so that's more of a, i think more of a john carpenter style Very, kind of horror yeah, movie yeah. right so it's something that's right up Lots your alley as well so many yeah 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 effects, so yeah. that's uh so i like i just like the idea of bringing these kind of smaller filmmakers in to talk about their work and they're of course fan fan followings called followings of the of all these guys so they're welcome well, to come to fan quest and meet them they're passion projects yes you know that absolutely. can sometimes become um actual financial successes so. i uh, used to love uh trauma uh entertainment oh. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I was right across from the trauma booth when we oh, were in was, seattle was lloyd there lloyd chicago. was there okay. i got to meet lloyd i chatted with him for a little it, bit it was in chicago oh that was chicago i never know i can't keep him straight so one thing i've <laughs> realized about traveling to so many shows is that justin has an incredible sense of direction if he's been to a city before he can find everything again no problem Right, just remembers it. It's a little bit uncanny, and he knows the order in which all events have occurred and in what cities. And after six months, I'm pretty sure it was all in the same place. <laughs> so, if you need to fact check any of my stories, you should definitely check with Justin because yeah, he'll every know every Canadian day. city you mix. I, uh, but I did see when when the students that you guys got passes for went to Chicago. I did see some of them taking photos with uh, Lloyd Kaufman at the trauma table so that's yeah. very cool and yeah i mean i i guess I'm, i haven't seen any of their films in a long time but uh, uh steve costanzi also made father's day which was a trauma movie right. um so so i love those kind of movies i love the the spirit of trauma what it stands for if you're easily offended you will not like it well it, it's movie. not yeah the content is questionable at times yeah um for but sure the fact that they're disruptors in the yes. medium i i really appreciate that that, that, that philosophy is very very good and I, I do appreciate that but yeah sometimes like stuff i thought was funny when i was in my 20s i don't really find funny anymore in right. trauma films but yeah. uh yeah whatever toxic avenger is still pretty funny it's uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. I still love the toys too. I yes, had, that's like, right. They yes. had a toy line that was. They had a cartoon. They had a yeah, video game. Right. They had a whole bunch of stuff. Andy shows up in Lord of the Rings. Who's who does? Right, the toxic oh, Avenger. Right, because that that one orc, uh, legit though. Uh, the director loved Toxic Avenger and so styled that whole character after the look of Toxic Really? Man. Oh, yeah, I did not know that. True. Yeah. Uh, the only uh, the uh, the big cameo for Lloyd Coffin was of course in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he's in the prison scene where he's one of the prisoners yelling um, oh. because because James Gunn started out a trauma yeah. and he, he kind of uh. gave them that. Uh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah, I know. Sure you you can absolutely see him right there yelling ah! when they're when they're like starting the riot or whatever in that prison scene. Oh, Easter eggs just all over the place. <laughs> just all over. Today. Well, it's true is that I think when you um, come up the hard way to whatever level. If you're a halfway decent human being, you try to remember the people that got you there. Blue, you're a wolf. You both went to Regina for Fan Expo? No, I abandoned Justin to, Regina, oh, no. to go to L.A. I went to oh, L.A., right. he went to Regina. I went to, uh, yeah, Regina, which is a, uh, a five-and-a-half-hour drive. So I, uh, I just loaded up podcasts and, and filled up the car and just uh, went by myself and then stayed with friends. So we all shared an Airbnb close by. So it was uh, very... Very low overhead for travel and and stay, and then it's uh, it's a great little show. Like it's uh, Regina doesn't have too many nerdy events like this. I I don't think so. Everybody who comes out is pretty excited, and 
yeah. It's a fan expo show, right? So it it's is, part of that yes. chain, I guess, of, of shows. Yeah, and they started it five, four years ago, maybe. Okay. Something like that. And, uh, well, now, because they've taken over Calgary, the Calgary crew was in charge in Regina. It was none of the normal fan expo people I'm used to seeing. It was uh, like Marianne and her whole crew running it. So I think, uh, again, they're they're kind of going through a transition this year. So I think I'm, I'm excited for what's going to happen with Regina next year when uh, the new team is fully in control. And there's a new convention center that is pretty much built as well, which is great because the Regina convention takes place in the same place where they have horse shows and cows <laughs> so there's uh there's quite a bit of dust and Residue. quite a distinct smell of uh <laughs> that reminds me of home because i grew up on a farm but right. most people aren't a big fan i don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast but our friends ron and indy ended up in uh <laughs> they got in trouble got in trouble because their the, their luggage got swabbed right as it as luggage can get right when yes. you're going through the airport and it came up positive for an explosive because well, fertilizer, of the, mini- right? the, the fertilizer. Yeah. Right. And so they had to explain, like, no, we're just artists, not terrorists. Uh, although you could argue that one is sometimes the other. Uh, and we just happened to be at this convention where there's horses, officer, I promise. Now they're not allowed to go to the States. That's right. Wow. That's interesting. So was the Calgary one that used to be a fan expo and now it's not? Is that, the, is that what's happening? No, Calgary used to be its own thing. Calgary Expo was its own it's organization its own, like, and privately the fan owned. expo bought calgary expo. okay okay so the so calgary was a fan expo calgary that you went to yes this time yes yeah and then regina was a fan expo regina yeah okay um but the the great thing is when fan expo took over calgary they kept the calgary crew it's not like they came and, and, and replaced everybody, everybody. Yes, okay they can sure there have been growing yeah. pains but yes like yeah. most of the faces you were used to yeah. asking questions of were there again and i know that you guys can't you don't want to say anything bad about these these places that you know that host you and allow you to make your living but do you notice uh when it comes to these chains of of cons is there other um i guess similarities between the two or are they do they all feel like their own event even though they all have a similar name or, or do you feel that they're like the exact same event duplicated over or replicated over different well places? i have a clarifying question of just for justin then who will know the answer like i said because he knows the details right, of things right, right. we do better than i do um are new york uh, Seattle and Chicago, all read pop shows. They're all read pop shows now, but I've been to Seattle. wasn't read pop until last year. See, because Seattle and New York are very like cult, like feel like their own kind of show. Okay, the, the culture in Seattle of the people there and the show itself felt like, wow, this is okay. This is what Seattle, this is what people told me Seattle would be like. Same with New York. Um, so no, I guess if the city's personality is strong enough, it you know, usurps the, the brand organization the brand. It's kind of like airports, <laughs> right? Like certain airports are better than others, but they're all airports, That's right? Right, And they're just there to get thousands of people through as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like um, I usually, we, we've had, we have some, some people who have some complaints about certain conventions and how they're run and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's, the attendees. I could care less about how like I was able to buy the table and how I got my passes and how, you know, whatever, whatever me dealing with the convention, like that's one thing. The show is a separate thing because it's all about the people coming there, you know? And I guess you guys do, you, I mean, very rare for you to be able to attend shows as attendees anymore because you're there as, as, as Correct. artists. Correct. Yes. I'm so. actually was hoping to be able to do TCAF this year. If I hadn't had to run off to LA, 
I would have done TCAP oh, just darn. as an attendee. Okay. Um, <laughs> for that reason, is that it's one of my favorite shows for finding new things. Um, it's one of the only shows where I will unabashedly abandon my table for long stretches <laughs> because I come back so renewed by faith in like the artistic process. I'm hoping I have a good table mate so I can do that. I'd, yeah. like, to, I'd like to really experience this show. But. Well, Scott will be there too. I Who knows where he'll be though. He's at the uh, CZP booth, so oh. they'll have people running. I bet he could pinch hit for you, yeah. but he'll probably be starry-eyed buying giant books everywhere too. I found out I'm on the first floor, which is apparently great. That is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm also, cool. I'm kind of excited. I'm going by myself and Greg and I travel a lot and we, we get along quite well. But the idea that I have a hotel room all to myself this weekend and I'm not sharing with anybody is kind of exciting. I had that this last few days. <laughs> I, I did as well in Chicago. It's yeah. very nice. Yes. Yeah. My students were four to a room, Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> is not yeah. a great situation for them. But you were like an emperor. Oh, with... man. I just like get in there. Yeah. Spread out and relax. Well, and I stayed at the uh, Hillgard um, Manor or something. It had a, like an ostentatious name, but it was just this wood-paneled old hotel. Clearly, faculty like it, right? Like you, if you feel like you should definitely be an English professor if you stay at the Hillgard. Right across the street was the W, though, which has, by contrast, the Hillgard is like. You know, a quiet little entrance and there's like overstuffed chairs and wood paneling and across the street to get into the W is a staircase that is also a waterfall. Like the stairs are glass <laughs> and the water runs underneath your feet as you go inside. So we had gone, we were going back to the Hillguard to, and we said, okay, well, we'll go. Connor McCreed and I were looking to do a creative meeting. And we said, well, let's go to the bar at the W. It'll be good people watching and we can uh, come up with some ideas and make some of those people our villains in the story. And as we walked in, it was there was a lot of folks standing around on either side of these red, uh, like roped off areas. And in, you know, Connor was like, you know, should we just go in? I was like, well, it, it's open, right? So we <laughs> so we went in, uh, and everyone is looking at us as we go up the stairs, like ooh. And then we're like, uh oh, we knew right away <laughs> that we should not go in. Uh, but we went in anyway, and we tried to like we just got to and a guy with a headset and a clipboard uh, like in gets right in front of us right away and then four like private security guys sort of come in on all sides like quietly sort of cautiously they sort of appear around us and uh, he says you know what are you here for we're like oh we're here for a drink he's like oh well this is the you know this is a private event for the book club movie premiere that's why that's why Jane Fonda was Uh, roaming around our hotel and um and we looked shocked and we're like well we're definitely not invited to that and he looked me in the eye and he said well thank you for not lying like everyone else does (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah so we went to a different they had another little like offside bar in the same hotel and we went and planned some pitches there and now jane fonda is going to be the villain in your next book uh no <laughs> i don't think so no no i saw her you know when you see celebrities around their fans you sometimes get a sense that you would never want to actually meet them mm-hmm. i got a different sense from jane fonda i feel like she'd be a nice lady at a oh, dinner sure party she would be. Yeah. yeah yeah that's good yeah nice. it does some people feel like they're taking it for granted like they deserve it mm-hmm. you know um it's funny because she if anybody would think you think she would feel that way Given that she was born into it, she's been a she's been a famous her whole life. Yeah, so her true. dad's her dad was a famous actor. So, so. true. Well, maybe um, 
Maybe she's just a great actress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> right? That could be also true. Yes, right? that's true. She fooled me with her pathos. Here's to the Army and Navy and the battles they have won. Here's to America's colors, the colors that never run. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Ah. We were talking about the U.S. experience, right? And then you mentioned a little bit, maybe before the podcast, about uh, Trump's America. Yes, that's right. And then and how my, my friend is boycotting the U.S. That's Since right. Trump has been elected, he has not traveled to the U.S. Right, which I think just hurts your friend. It doesn't hurt Well, Trump. And, and the people who benefit from his travel to the U.S., like the hotels. Yeah, and that current administration kind of doesn't want people to come in who don't like them. So if you don't <laughs> go, then you win. But, you know, we were in California, which, you know, the Californians will tell you we're not really the United States. And <laughs> we were on the campus of UCLA, which, you know, if there was ever a campus where um, the right-wing American voter base would probably want just pushed into the ocean that's probably the place yeah right so but we ended up in this uh, little dive bar which will remain nameless because it's a it's a recluse it's a little secret spot for a few of the uh, faculty that uh, teach at ucla and it was a complete cross-section of you know in, in my humble view of america itself there was you know, an architect there, there were professors there, there were drug dealers there, there were <laughs> drunks there, there were like well-to-dos there. And they were all just at their local dive bar and they were all friends and they all knew not to talk politics and they all knew not to bring up these other things. They talked about what music they liked, they talked about all these things. And as soon as they would steer into politics, they would all take their corners and then change the subject. <laughs> but along come these Canadians. Oh no. And we're talking quite uh, openly, just at our own little corner of the bar, about some things. And a guy comes up, and he knows one of the people we're with. And because it's their local bar, they're all chatting, having a great time. And so then uh, uh, Connor McCready turns to him and says, you know, something that could be construed as politically inflammatory. And the guy's entire body language changes, and he looks at him, and it's like, you know, it's go time. And the professor we're with nudges me and is like, gives me the signal like tell your friend to change the subject um and that was an amazing piece of being in that country like as far as you know like the writer in me was like oh my god i wish i had recorded this entire thing because it was like i said straight out of a tom Waits song just all these different people and all these different slices of life and they were all there in the shared experience of having a drink at the end of the day and leaving everything at the door and then along comes these tourists who bring it in. Like we broke protocol, essentially. Okay. And now, what do you think um, the thing that he said wasn't said with the intention of upsetting anybody? He no, just not at all. He, he just, just assumed that person had the same view as him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, we'll have which Connor is... on the on the podcast and we'll have him explain the whole situation in his own words because he'll find it. He's a really funny guy and you'll find it quite comical. But I don't want to mischaracterize one person's politics or the other. No, no, but, but it's funny because here in Canada, I think we get a little bit loathed into complacency because, you know, there's not as, I'd say, not as much of a divide in Canada as there is in the U.S. politically. Yeah. Uh, although there are people to, to the right and left for sure, but... We all kind of just okay. We we get along for the most part. Um, so I think overall we we assume that the people around us agree with what we're saying. Right. I I like kind of shake my head when I run into a Trump supporter because I'm not a Trump supporter, and I'm like, 
I just, it makes me pause for a moment, especially when they're Canadian, but in the U.S., of course. Well, it's one of the things comment. that helped turn the conversation back to polite things was that I mentioned that uh, I have, in fact, fired a gun and, <laughs> and, I, and I have taken the life of an animal in order to eat it um, at the end of that barrel. And then it, then it was, I was okay. Oh, I haven't I done those okay. things. I would so, have been screwed. Right. So, Have you done uh, those things, Justin? I have. Oh, man. No, I don't do them any. I don't, I don't want to do them anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I have done them. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of, you know, you know, we're sitting here talking about like what a show can do better and what a thing should be and how it's all supposed to work and how your politics is supposed to be. I think the important lesson from this entire experience is maybe just that if you haven't done it, you shouldn't talk about it like you know everything about it, right? And I just think that that is a, uh, you know, I saw that definitely sitting in that bar, realizing that any number of those people could, in fact, be carrying a firearm. They also explained <laughs> that one of the, f- it's one of the few bars in the area where they have a license for dancing. Okay. They have a license? They have a license for dancing. So we're Canadians. This is not a thing that we need. You can just, the, the music plays, you can just cut a rug. There's a space that you can dance in. Go ahead and dance. But apparently, it. at bars in LA, uh, and someone told me in New York as well, it just came up in the conversation. I cannot confirm nor deny that. You need to have a license to dance. Is it called like the Footloose? It's law? like, yeah, the Footloose <laughs> Law or something. But there's like a cabaret style license where if you serve drinks and you play music, Dancing is not allowed without this license. And it's generally not enforced. How do you stop people? Exactly. (laughs) When it's enforced is when someone else has a complaint about the bar and they come in to Uh, shut it down. I see. The one thing that people write that the establishment can't stop is that other people will start dancing. Then they say, hey, you don't have a license for that. We got to shut you down. It's connected to their liquor permit. Right. Right. But uh, but it's the, the establishment that gets um, fined, not the uh, not the person dancing. Correct. So it's up to the establishment. They're not going to go out there and quash dancing if they see it happening. Right. You could be a dance. You could be like a subversive who goes to all kinds of bars where no one seems to be dancing and dance anyway. Just start anyway. dancing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It's basically what our whole lives are, Justin. We go yeah. to places where we're not allowed to do what we're supposed to do, and then we do it. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Well, I think that I've missed you guys, oh, and no. I'm glad to be back. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made and how we visit other places. Um, uh, this is Gregory Kamichek encouraging you to join the fight and make comics. Mm-hmm.